Welcome to the Sale Street Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And for more information about our church, visit salestreet.org. Justin said he was going to cut the mics off, just so I stay in line here. So yeah, um, just like Justin said, Tim said, the last um, four months, I guess since January, we've made our way from Acts 1, and last week we finished in Acts 7. Um, Paul talked through uh, Stephen's speech, and then the uh, the stoning that followed his, his speech. And it, whenever we first started talking about Acts, we saw, and Lucas is going to talk about this more in a minute, the book of Acts is kind of summarized in chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So at 1 through 7, everything that we've seen so far has been in Jerusalem. And with the increased persecution, uh, the stoning of Stephen, the disciples are going to disperse to those uh, further regions, Judea and Samaria. And one of the things that we've talked about in our meetings is Acts is kind of a lot of the same stuff over and over. Uh, it's preaching, it's community, it's uh, persecution, and it just so happens it's in different locations. So we want to make sure that we're aware of that. We don't want to be too redundant, but we want to follow what's in the scripture. You know, it's funny. Um, I don't know if y'all saw there was an article uh, this past week or maybe two weeks ago. Uh, New York Times listed the top ten cities that have experienced the most out-migration since the beginning of 2020, and they attributed to COVID-19. Did you happen to see that article? Anybody in the, uh, y'all saw that? Uh, Lo and behold, Lake Charles was number one on the list, which got people interested in talking. Uh, For anybody that saw it, can you think of something else that happened in 2020 that Uh, Other than COVID-19, for people to leave the city, two hurricanes, right? Uh, So New York Times, I didn't read the article. I just saw the table. They might have said something about the hurricanes. I doubt it. Um, But they kind of missed the point, right? People left because of the hurricanes. So kind of in the same vein, we're reading through Acts. We're going section by section, story by story, passage by passage. But we want to make sure that we're gleaning the main point. We don't want to be missing what the Lord wants to teach us in uh, the scriptures and how to apply that in our life of a church. So to start off, maybe just kind of rapid fire, uh, let's summarize the book. What have we seen in the book so far? Let's try to take it uh, chronologically. Uh, But what what have we seen in the first seven chapters in the book of Acts? My panel is open and willing to answer. story of God just taking forth, right? Jesus came out of the grave. He, he, he instructed his disciples beforehand, but they were confused, just like we would have been if he said, hey, everything about, everything's about to change. Uh, we would stop listening with right after that. What do you mean you're going to die? I don't understand that. And so the Acts is the apostles getting reoriented to this new life on the other side of an empty tomb. And so we, we see the miracles in the beginning and the resurrection and the and the ascension, rather, where they're watching him go up, and they get the instructions, and then they told him to wait. Holy Spirit's going to come with power, and then they're going to have this new life, this new mission come out. So the church was born, and then they kind of had to shed some of their, which were, this is, most of the New Testament is some of this where the 
the Jewish Christians had to shed some of their old, meaning not, not that they have to shed it, but the old's not in the front anymore. The old, the, the Jewish ways are informing uh, their new view of life in Christ, not the other way around. And so there's some some changes that they're doing. They're 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 going to see that, and then they're they're having this new life in community together. And uh, they, I bet they were surprised when they saw their own reactions to the furious opposition of uh, the the ruling temple. Right? They were put opposition to them, and and how that we saw that last week with Stephen. Right? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Kind of quoting Jesus. And so that's, that's this big picture that the church born and then the church kind of reorienting to this new thing. We're not Jews anymore. We're Jesus followers who were Jewish. And, and, then, and then we're going to continue the story as we keep going. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, and a rapid fire thing is uh, I, we should see the birth of the Christian church. The birth of the Christian church the first historical writings of this birth and this beginning and this in the book of Acts, it is the foundation of where the church gets its beliefs, its ideas, and its executions of ministry. Um, and it's also the birth of really seeing the power and the necessity of the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is consumed. Uh, uh, it consumes the beings and the people the ministries, the church, and it moves us away from man's uh, thoughts of uh, what we think is right, what we want to be right, our emotions, and it puts our dependence and our desperate necessity of the Holy Spirit to do the workings of God. Yeah, absolutely. I'll just uh, add kind of not so much thinking about what's been in the chapters that we've read, but just kind of how that fits in the eternal timeline of of God's kingdom our, our series title is the church then and now and we really uh, see that right the um, I love the, the book let the nations be glad and what it says is the church transitioned from a, a place where people would come and see to a people that would go and tell and that's just such a great uh, transition Mr. Austin was telling me earlier that they were studying about the covenants right think about the Abrahamic covenant the, uh, the Moses covenant but then now uh, we see this transition in the book of Acts, right, into this covenant of grace. So not that grace wasn't in the law, but it, grace was kind of required by the law. But now we see grace is what kind of fuels us and moves us on this side of the cross. And so it's a big shift from having our focus on rules and policies and laws and obedience to that to really loving people and, and, and responding to God's grace through being gracious to others. So we don't forgive because we're required to forgive, or we don't give because we're required to give, or we don't study because we're required to study. It's a response to God's grace, and so that's really what we see this community start uh, to develop. You know, I think about uh, the Holy Spirit, right? That's what it's all about. We've sung about it already this morning. The Holy Spirit came and is, and is starting to, to, to do things, but that's a big shift from kind of the where we saw the Spirit in the Old Testament, right? And even in, in Jesus' day is that it's this transition from kind of a, you know, a, a pillar of fire or cloud or a burning bush or, you know, fire falling in the temple to that being in our hearts. And so the, the spirit is kind of moved from the outside to the inside. And that's a, you know, that's a, that's a big change. That's transformational. And that's, that's really what 
the Christian life is all about, right? Is that, yeah. that spirit moving into us and changing us. And so even as a church, right, we want to be more like the church in Acts than we've ever been. And so we want to be not the church we've always been, but the church that God would have us to be and move in the right direction. And so that's really what stood out to me as far as just kind of the big picture of the book of Acts and even what we've seen so far. I know it's what we're going to see a lot more of, right? This transition into being closer to that kingdom being established forever uh, with Jesus as Lord. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah, we've been studying uh, Ephesians in my Sunday school class, and I was just going to read one verse real quick, Ephesians 1, verse 3. I just thought about it as y'all were talking about the Spirit. Uh, It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And just kind of reading that verse and understanding what we've seen so far in Acts, you kind of see that contrast between uh, Old Testament mindset, way of thinking, you know, come to this one place. Uh, and even the kind of material blessings that were associated with the people of God in the Old Testament. But here in the New Covenant, the covenant of grace, uh, that we, the people of God, have received every spiritual blessing uh, from God in Christ. And that's just, that's, that's an amazing thing to see. So one, uh, one question, if you could say one thing from the book of Acts that we've seen so far in the first seven chapters. Uh, it could be a passage, it could be a theme, uh, it could be just you know, one word. Uh, but what, Lucas, we'll start with you. Uh, what has stood out to you in particular so far in our study? What has uh, really stood out to me is that fulfillment of Acts 1-8. Um, and, you know, we'll see it continuing to, to be fulfilled. But, you know, Jesus said in Acts 1-8, right? But you will receive the Holy Spirit and power, and when you do, you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Mm. And so we've seen that first seven chapters already, right? Just what he said. Chapter 2, the Spirit was received, and it did just what Jesus said it would. Isn't that something? What he says always happens, right? So uh, the Spirit made witnesses out of every person that it inhabited, And, and it started with the apostles, and I think sometimes we almost look at the book of Acts like, man, those apostles were some really amazing guys. Wouldn't it be cool to have that kind of power? But I think sometimes when we kind of get tunnel vision on that, we forget to see kind of where it moves from there, right? So that we see the Spirit comes in Acts 2, the church is kind of born. The apostles, Acts 3, right? The lame beggars healed. And then Peter and John, you know, start preaching. They get in trouble and they go to prison. You know, they start preaching some more. But... Then, in Acts 6, we see this, this introduction of this deacon ministry, if you will, and seven men are chosen, and two of those guys are Philip and Stephen. And what I love, and just what the Lord's really shown me and kind of looking back over these chapters this week, is that those men were full of the Spirit. And what Jesus says, when you're full of the Spirit, you'll be my witness. And so, Stephen and Philip, Stephen, we've already uh, seen the testimony or heard from Paul last week, Right? Like, he was full of the Spirit and wisdom, and, and he witnessed. He, he shared the good news with the people there mm-hmm. that the Lord put in front of him. And then uh, in the next week or two, we'll see where Philip does the same thing. So the, the Spirit made witnesses out of the apostles, but then even out of the deacons. And then what we will see is that, that same Spirit infuses everyone. So we're all witnesses. If the Spirit is within us, 
we're all witnesses. And I think sometimes we just have to really be intentional about reminding ourselves of that and be, be you know, have realistic expectation of what the Spirit does to it. It doesn't just clean our behavior up, right? It makes us communicators of the good news. We, we bear witness uh, to Christ. So we're not like robots that just run around speaking this message to everybody we see. However, when the Lord uh, opens up somebody's heart, we're able to, to witness and, and bear witness to who Christ is and what he's done and how great of a need we have for him. And that's, that's really God's model uh, for expanding the kingdom as he puts the spirit in us and we become witnesses just like the apostles, just like those uh, Philip and Stephen and just like we'll see many other people, ordinary people. And I'll talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that when we talk about the rest of Acts. But yeah, uh, for that's sure. what's really stood out to me uh, as far as just so far. Yeah, yeah, and I, I meant to say this at the beginning, but I forgot. Uh, part of the, our desire to have this conversation is not just to, you know, recap what we've learned uh, or to catch people up. It's not just for the sake of knowledge. Uh, that's good. We want to do that. But we also want to spend some time, and we can go into this now, uh, to, to pray, you know, to see what we've seen and to actually pray to implement that in this church, uh, in this body, uh, to kind of stop, to think, uh, to, to re recap, to relearn, but also to meditate and to pray that, you know, we're talking about the Spirit, right? That the Spirit would just move in this place and in this people, uh, that we would see what we see in Acts take place here. Uh, so, Paul, could you pray for just a minute or two to, uh, to the effect of what Lucas said, that we would see Acts 1-8 implemented here at Sale Street? Father in heaven, you didn't have to. You didn't have to send a son and rescue us, but you chose to because you're so great. And I, I, we just worship you, Lord, for being a God who can um, do anything, including preserve these words on a page, your breath on the page, so that we can see how you launched out this church of yours so that we could be carriers of your great name into our corner of the earth and every corner that you allow us to go. I praise you, Lord, that this mission is worthy of you, and that means that it's certainly worthy of all of us. Mm -hmm. And I ask you, Lord, to give uh, Sale Street our um, holy enthusiasm from you, Holy Spirit, to carry out your name as we go. As you are going, it says that we would be our, your witnesses at, in our work, in our home, in our neighborhood, with our friends. Um, and in the intentional places that you lead us to go, praise you, Lord, that your word is great. And that when we bring it and we share it and we see Jesus, people seeing Jesus more clearly. And then if they move forward with Jesus, it is the most encouraging thing. And you use that to bolster our faith. And then we, you gather us together, Lord, uh, on Sunday and, and, and as we gather together in other forms during the week. And to rally each other and say, look what Jesus has done. Look what God has done. See how God is worthy and he's rescuing people. Every person in this room has uh, a story with you. And we want to see your story make much of Jesus in our lives and in this church. We pray in the name of the risen one, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, Tim, what about you? One thing that you've seen in the book so far. So, um, obviously, like I said in the beginning, the, like, for me, the, the necessity of the Holy Spirit um, in this as well. Can you see that? Uh, I, 
so far for me, what stands out is uh, Peter and John before the council mm. is, is a setting for me that um, it, it speaks of boldness and confidence and necessity. Uh, Peter and John before the council, um, people were greatly annoyed of what they were doing. They are arrested. They are brought before and they preach to these people. They preach back to these high and mighty influential people who could affect their businesses, their lives, their families, their future generations. Um, they preach back to them the gospel of Jesus. They evangelize to these great wisdom people who are supposed to know sure. more than all of us. Um, Peter and John not only do this, then you see them go back. And, and this, I'm sorry, I did a little disjustice here. Chapter 4 in Acts is where you can see this. But um, then when it's done, they go back to, their, to a home in which people were gathered together praying and singing. And they open the door, and they don't sit there. My wife will tell you one thing, and a lot of you may end up judging me off of this one or calling <laughs> child services. But I teach my <laughs> that scared some people. Um, that uh, I teach my my daughters that don't 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 be a victim. You know, don't don't sit there and and have this victim mindedness self. Let's let's know the struggle. Let's stand up and let's push through uh, with the Holy Spirit, with God in front and all that. But I, I try to teach my children that, you know, we, we, we don't want to be the victim. We, we want to be the one that brings the light. We want to be the ones that, that people can depend on because we rest on the ultimate rock. Mm -hmm. um, and so here they come together and you don't see this household of excuses and victimhood. You see just celebration. Uh, and, and joy that yep. they were brought before the council. Um, they didn't go on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and uh, what's the other TikTok TikTok or something. <laughs> um, and, and and you know try to make movements by complaining and pointing at other people. They praised God. They worshiped God. And then the next morning they went right back out and did it again. Kept preaching. And I was just like, <laughs> it just it, it it just it just that's what stands out. The storm yeah. comes. Um, washes away the roofs and the, takes down the walls, but the gospel is still in our hand and the, and the Christ is still in our heart. And so we're not victims. We're glorified saints. We are redeemed. And it is our job to press forward and no bring forth the message and, and rest on the rock and be confident in what we do and say. Yeah. Yeah, and I love what you said just about the necessity of the Holy Spirit prior to their preaching the gospel in the, in the midst of facing persecution. You know, because a lot of times we'll read and say, oh, well, I could never do that. You know, Peter, John, Stephen last week. You know, I, I wouldn't do that if I was in that situation. But we look and we recognize the power of the Spirit in them, affirm that if we are in Christ, the same Spirit is in us. So, I mean, that's a load of nonsense. If we were in that position, Spirit's in us, we're going to do the exact same thing that, that Peter and Paul and or Peter, uh, John, and, and Stephen did. Um, so, Lucas, would you pray for us just in the midst of what Tim said? Father, we're just uh, reminded of the sinful response to the greatest news on earth. And Father, I pray that you would 
in the power of your spirit, Father, give us the power to endure, the power to persevere, and that in that we might know your power alone. Father, I pray for our church and our city, this nation. Lord, as we as we just seek your will, Father, as we obey your word, Father, as we go and and tell, Lord, I pray that that we we would be victorious in our mindset, Father. That we would not sit and make excuses and complain, but Lord, that you would put a fire in our bones, Father, that you would just remind us of how our Savior responded, Father. Like a lamb led unto slaughter, he opened out his mouth. He perfectly obeyed you, Father. May we just have a hint of that in our lives, Father. May it glorify you the same. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Paul, what about you, my brother? Friendly neighborhood barbecue man. I think we might have an idea. <laughs> well, the church then and now is the story of God, and I always find it orienting to keep my eye on reminding where I'm at in the story and where so I don't get disoriented. And I've heard uh, we can say that the church of God has a mission, and I think that's true, but I think it's also true, and maybe it's even a more accurate picture in looking at the church then now, that the mission of God has a church. The mission was born, go and make disciples, and then, you know, he's, he's, he's gathered this, this is your crew, and, and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And you're, So at the end of this first chapter, right, the or first chapter with the Holy Spirit, they talk about the fellowship of the believers. In chapter 2, uh, at the end, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And there we see that the church is described in this rather spectacular form. And at the end, what's the function of the church? It's the last one. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Mm-hmm. And I love that the big th- the first three, right, they devoted themselves. They saw Jesus clearly. And as a result, right. they, they, de- they were full on. I love a push all your chips in the table, kind of burn the ships lifestyle, right? And, and they clearly did that because they saw clearly that they didn't have another good choice. So, oh, well, we can try this other thing. Maybe that would work. Now, we can all get discouraged and, and stuff can over time. But, but if we reorient ourselves to who he is and what he's done and we're obedient with what we have in front of us, he'll, he'll show us more. And that's what they did. They devoted themselves to the and then and then to what those the big four the apostles teaching to fellowship to breaking of bread and to prayer and those rote activities seem can I mean they're not rote it can seem like they're little sections but they're really an integrated life the apostles teaching what are they teaching about he's te- they're teaching about Jesus 
uh, the fellowship. What's that? Man, look what we have in common. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, uh, you know, that's a miracle, right? Reconciling people who are not together. Paul writes about that, you know, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. There's just Mm -hmm. these people who are super at odds. That was the church back, that was before. Now, now, this new chapter, we've got this new thing in common, and it's a revolution of the soul that they could be in fellowship uh, to breaking of bread. What's that mean? It's just time together, time and energy and and the Holy Spirit's at work when we're together and new things emerge, new initiatives or new prayer, and it's just great. And then breaking bread in the prayer, when we're together with God, we're devoted to the apostles' teaching, we're going to have burdens that are going to come up. We're going to remind our hearts, we need God so bad. If we're going to have this fellowship, if we're going to have this mission from God with a church born around it, we need God's activity. And, and I just love that they, 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 he repeats this sort of section at the end of chapter 4 in case we forgot what it was. And the fellowship of the believers is, is our rhythm of life as church. And that's what strikes me, my brother. Yeah, amen. Yeah, let me, uh, let me pray for us just in the context of that. Lord, we just... Uh, bow before you and ask that you would uh, just give us unity, give us community uh, just in this church. Uh, Help us to recognize that we have been united in the gospel, uh, that we were once all uh, apart from you, but you have reconciled us to yourself, and in doing so, you you have reconciled us to one another. Uh, So help us to uh, just experience life with one another. I pray that you would just wash us with your grace. Uh, and that we would do all of the things that you call us to do as we, uh, as we live with one another and as we seek to uh, handle all of our relationships with grace. God, I pray that you would prevent uh, any one of us from becoming bitter or deceived uh, or just uh, turned off of church. We know that those are all um, the, the way that, that the enemy uses to, to, to make us not want what we know that we, we need. Uh, in you and in community with each other, God. Uh, So we just pray uh, to that end in Jesus' name. Amen. So we can go back to kind of rapid fire here, uh, but just what's one thing in the book of Acts uh, that we have to look forward to? So we've seen 1 through 7, everything has taken place in Jerusalem. Uh, What's one thing that you're looking forward to in the rest of the book? Rapid, rapid fire. I don't know if I finished my answer from the first one, so rapid fire is tough for me. <laughs> um, I said rapid fire the first time, and y'all didn't listen, so I'm going to say it twice this time. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite story, well, I have two favorite stories in the book of Acts. I had to pick one for this answer. Um, I'd say it's the story of Lydia's conversion in Acts chapter 16. And the reason I love that story so much is because it's so ordinary, right? It's just they, their lives, a group of women gathered together for prayer regularly and these men went to join them and the thought behind that is that there wasn't enough men to establish a synagogue it required 10 men to establish a synagogue but these women were so moved that they weren't going to wait on the men they got together and they prayed and Paul came and the the story says that the Lord opened up Lydia's heart and she heard the message and she responded um then, immediately, just what Paul was saying, she was so transformed by receiving the Spirit and, and being converted that 
she took them all to her house and welcomed them. And she even thought that maybe there was kind of a like a house church started there. And this lady was, was just down at the gate selling her purple cloths like she did every single day. So it wasn't a revival. It wasn't a mission trip. They just, some women were gathering for prayer, and she came for that. And the Lord worked through that uh, to lead to her uh, conversion. Mm. And so, I mean, it's just so ordinary. And yeah. I think what we see in the book of Acts needs to become ordinary to us, right? And it, that's what our workplace needs to look like. That's what we should be praying for. That's what we desire. And, and so are, are we going to talk about kind of what some of this looks, at, at sales, looks like at Sell Street mm -hmm. later, or should I have done that already? Uh, depending on how fast I'll answer this question. All right. <laughs> well, I'll save that for, right. for later because I want to tie it all together and come home with it. Well, anyone knows me and, and, and how I've taught in classes and things, uh, the conversion of Saul to Paul is what I, I, I love. That's what I would have guessed. Um, chapter 9 of Acts. <laughs> My wife's shaking. And she'll, she gives me Paul Superman underwear and stuff that I wear. <laughs> um, so she's like, why do you say these things? So <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, chapter 9, yeah. Uh, but Saul still bringing threats and murders. Murder against the disciples of the Lord. Um, and then you see this great conversion of Saul to Paul, which I think just, man, if anyone is ever out there, and I mean, I, I've lived this life to think you're just not good enough or you've done too much or there's people don't know what's really in my closet or, you know, the things that I've done or whatnot. Chapter 9 tells you that God says, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Amen. He says he's going to be the carrier of his name to the kings, to these mighty Israelites. But in the very beginning, Saul's introduced as breathing threats and murder against the disciples of Christ. So it just, I look forward to just with the church, and I'll go ahead and skip forward. Uh, my hope for Sales Street is that if anyone is in this room or outside of these walls, or all of us know that Saul in our life. We all have a Saul in our life out there that just tells you I'm, I'm not worthy enough, I'm not good enough, I've gone too far, I can never be this. Um, chapter 9 says we were all murderers, we were all enemies, and we, we threatened um, the life of Christ, and he saved us all. And um, so, yeah, chapter 9. Amen. About midnight, after Lydia's conversion, uh, a church was born right there in that city of Philippi, and spiritual forces of evil did not like this deal. And so Paul and Silas found themselves in prison preaching the gospel. And it says in uh, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, if you'd have put a period there, we would think they'd, in someone's home, being entertained, but they're in stocks in the jail. And about midnight, they were singing to God. And this is the part where we get to participate in. The prisoners were listening to them. In the midst of your adversity, in the midst of your uh, trials or difficulties, people are listening. And your worship is a megaphone like no other time. Yeah. So we kind of see where we've been, look at where we're going. Um, but we don't have to wait to the end of the book to get involved. Um, so 
if y'all each want to maybe just mention something, we can. But maybe like an ongoing ministry or opportunity or something that's going on that uh, it's not just for the preaching team, it's not just for the elders, but something that, that everybody can, can participate in. It's my most favorite part. <laughs> Is uh, how can we obey these scriptures that we've That's right. preached and discussed? And, and um, man, I just want to give a little bit of a testimony. So, um, for the past four weeks in children's Sunday school, we've been teaching the children uh, how to share the gospel with the Evangelical kindergarten through fifth grade. And uh, Carson's going to come in a little while, and we're going to uh, just share a little bit of that fruit with you guys. But um, it's just so refreshing to see a kindergartner grasp the simplicity of the gospel and even the the innocence this morning um lakin prayed for she said i have a friend of school that doesn't even believe the bible she doesn't even believe in jesus and so i asked the class what should we do well we ought to pray for her and and uh, so isaac prayed for for little ava i don't know ava but she doesn't believe and and we're praying for her and the children are equipped to to share the gospel, and so they've had an opportunity for that, and and so that's in response to what we've been commanded to do, right? Is to for all of us, right? The least that we would even expect would know how to to share the gospel. But man, we have a lot of opportunities that are that are coming up. World changers, you know. Kent and I went and visit a house that is going to be worked on as part of World Changer, and I was looking around the neighborhood, and the first thing I see is like all these tarps. I'm like, man, there's a lot of need, mm-hmm. you know. Like everybody could use a roof around here, but then. You know, the Lord just reminded me, what's their greatest need, man? We're going to bring a team of people in onto this street, and we get to go not only just drive a few nails and, and some shingles, but but share and be a witness to, to those folks in that neighborhood. And so you have an opportunity to be a part of World Changers and volunteering and those kind of things. Um, we, you know, our, our elder team has uh, established some, some sort of teams within ourselves and we're doing uh, things like right now we're doing kind of a community needs assessment, right? What are the needs of the community of Lake Charles? What are the greatest needs? Why? Because not only do we want to meet physical needs, that's how we minister the gospel to others as well. So just as uh, Jesus and, and the other, like in, in Acts, we've already seen it, right? None of them had need among themselves. It was all about the grace of God flowing through them to meet needs, but it was for the glory uh, of the gospel. And so uh, we're praying and, and we're seeking the Lord, but very soon there's going to be a daily or, or at least weekly opportunity for us to saturate this city with the gospel and furthermore, equipping every one of us so that when we go to work or a family reunion or Walmart or whatever, that, that we know how to be a witness. And we've been trained and we have those opportunities laid before you. So I'm super excited about like real opportunities for us to get involved in being the type of church that we see in the book of Acts. And so um, if you have ideas or questions or you want to get involved, don't know where to start, please ask any of us, and we, w- we want to help get everybody uh, on board in ministering outside the walls of this church. Yeah, amen. So the things I look excited for is, uh, yeah, um, Lucas and Paul and Andrew, and, and you guys will see in the coming things, I mean, it's little things like we were able to put the TVs up uh, throughout the church and have little announcements going. You'll uh, soon we're working on a church app, uh, many um, the communication of realm and email. Uh, we're now we're, we're improving that to be <laughs> able to keep uh, better connection with individuals and let you know what's happening when a need comes up. 
I'm excited to see, like, you know, some may take it as, yeah, it's, it's a sad in some sad situations, but it's also a cool thing that, that so many people have needs, and so I've never seen so many of, um, of the guys in, 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 in ministry uh, on a, we have a little app called GroupMe, and I think it blows up every week of simple things of like, hey, so-and-so needs this moved over here. We need to put an AC unit over here. And so um, things to where I am excited of those opportunities to be able to work and to uh, get involved and, and uh, volunteer with the kids, world changers. Kind of, we have, a, um, I think, uh, coming mid-month of appreciation of uh, we're just able to use our facility to do things for first responders and cook for things. Samaritan's Purse, uh, I, I don't know how to tell you enough. They're going to be with us for some years now. Um, but they, you know, you can be part of helping them um, rebuild homes and build homes and do small repairs. And they are right here living in our church, so it doesn't take far to go get them. But I, I want to quickly say this, too. Uh, Paul kind of hit on it of that amazing um, ability that how our worship is a megaphone uh, to those around us. And I think we learned in 2020 how precious it is to be able to just come in this room and gather. Right? Yeah. I think we, we saw a small taste of what it was like when these doors are closed. So I, I know sometimes the church can get real busy trying to create a lot of organization to, to give you, well, you can do this and you can do that. But let's not forget about Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. So I want to say this. Gentlemen, if you come in here and you love the Lord, I don't care how bad you sing, sing. <laughs> Let your kids hear it. Let your neighbors hear it. And ladies, if you come here on Sunday mornings, you know, sing and praise with, with us and, and, and be part of it. But let's not bypass the weekly thing that we, this, this basically this whole structure is built around and that's right now right here when you come we're talking in, on the way to sunday school and me and Kristen and some other people were talking about how you know we're so happy to be here but we had to drag the kids everybody gotta drag the kids wake them up in the morning <laughs> but let's let's get them up let's get them here let's be joyful that we're here so when people are like well, what is sale street doing well we're here right now i don't know what's going to happen tomorrow world changers is planning on coming I can't promise you it's going to happen. 2020 taught us that. Don't plan on tomorrow. Live in today. So today, the church doors are open. You're in this room. So if you don't know somebody, or if those of you who are very familiar with this room, and you look around and you don't know that person, when this is all said and done, let's shake hands, let's give a hug, and let's take that opportunity. So the opportunity of the regular worship time is not something we just bypass and act like we shouldn't build upon. This is our megaphone. This is it right here. Yeah, amen. Preach. So part of building community is taking the opportunity. And I've found that breaking the bread and community building are pretty integrated. And I'm betting. Lucas, are you betting, man? Eh, <laughs> not, can't say that in church. I'm betting that all of us <laughs> are going to eat after we leave here. You could take the opportunity to, to go eat lunch with one of your friends or a new friend that's going to be made today, right? You don't have to wait on uh, someone else to make a program. Although we actually do have kind of a dinner with each other idea that we're going to flesh out a little bit and roll out. Just kind of structurally encourage each other to get to know different folks. But you don't have to wait on that plan to be finished. You could invite someone to lunch today. 
In fact, if you don't have a place to eat, I'm going to go open the doors of Paul's Herb Shack, and y'all can sit in the backyard or sit inside. There's a bathroom and ice, and you can go get take out food and meet there if you want to. So meet your brothers, eat lunch with each other, hang out, become one through time. Time together is how God unites people, and he'll use that time. Amen. I'm going to read one verse, and then, Lucas, I'll throw it back to you, uh, and you can bring Carson up here. Uh, Revelation chapter 12. This is, uh, you know, we saw the beginning of Acts in light of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, and this is the end of the age. Uh, So chapter 12, verse 10, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who, who accuses them day and night before our God. Verse 11, And they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. So we see that the church, the people of God, conquer Satan not only by the blood of the Lamb. You know, we ag- agree and affirm that, no doubt. Uh, but by the word of their testimony, by the fact that we attest to or witness to the work of God amongst one another. And that just shows us, and that's, what I've, that's probably the thing that stuck out to me the most in the book, that shows us how much we, we need him. Um, and they, for they love their lives even not unto death. So, Lucas. Lord. All right, I'm going to get Carson to come up. And you guys can have a seat if you want. So one thing I'm a real stickler for is I think every time we gather to worship that we need to remind ourselves of the gospel and not even take for granted that everyone here uh, has received the gospel. And so let's get Carson a microphone. I've asked Carson to help. I, I told you guys, the K through 5th graders, we've been learning how to share the gospel using something called an evangelicube. This is kind of the overgrown version of it here. Um, and. It, uh, it just kind of tells the gospel in pictures. But what we've done is we teach the children, the, the scriptures and adults too, um, moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, but um, the, the scriptures that tell the story that go along with the pictures, but also there's a, a story to be told as well. And so um, Carson has so graciously offered to come and help me present the gospel, or actually I'm going to help him present the gospel to you guys this morning using these pictures and the verses that tell us who Jesus is, what he has done, and what a desperate need that we have uh, for him. So um, I'm going to share the scriptures, and Carson's going to tell the story and kind of use these pictures to do that, okay? You good? All right. You got that mic on? Did I turn it on for you? Awesome. So I know all of you won't be able to see every picture, but you'll hear the word as well. So this little red man right here, right? Tell us about him. The the red represents the blood, and then outside of it represents sin. Good job. So this little red person represents every person in the world, right? We all have red blood flowing through our veins. But the darkness around him is sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we all have a sin problem. Tell us more about this other picture, Carson. This represents God. And, and, and the light 
that he represents. Awesome. So the other picture is a picture of a bright light that you can see on your right-hand side. And the Bible tells God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So if we're sinful in darkness and God is light and in him there is no darkness, seems like that might create a problem, huh? You want to tell us about that? So does that separate us from God? Yes. Yes, that's right. So, but there's good news, right? God demonstrated his love. You know that verse? No. God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So when we couldn't get to God, he came to us. And he came in the form of his son. So tell us about that. Carson? Um, he, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Awesome. It's just that simple, guys. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And then what? He, um, he was in a tomb. They buried him in a tomb. That's right. And three days later, what happened? He, um, he rose from the dead. He rose from the grave, right? He rose from the grave. That, we celebrated Easter a few weeks ago, but that's every day, right? We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus told uh, the, the ladies there at Lazarus' grave, right? He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So to follow Jesus first, we die, and he raises us. We die to ourselves, and he raises us from the grave. And that demonstrates the power to deliver us from sin, right? This next picture, Carson, tell us what it says or what it's showing us. It's representing how God made a path to heaven. Awesome. He, and he is the, the, the way, the truth, and the light. Man, how about that, right? That's good stuff. Is there more than one way or is he the only way? He's the only way. He's the only way, right? That's what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and life. No man, no man comes to the Father except um, through me. That's what he said. That's good news. That's the greatest news on earth. All right, tell us what this picture is showing us. This picture shows how God can rescue us from death and take us to heaven. Exactly. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Man, we had a good conversation this morning, kids. I said, what does wages mean? Man, they had some really good answers for what wages are. But basically, somebody pays the price for sin. If we pay it ourselves, it's death and eternal death. But somebody else paid its force, and that gives us eternal life, right? Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. That's good news, huh? So, you want to talk about this last picture? So, if we respond to the gospel in faith, here's what to expect, right? This represents us praying. This represents reading the Bible. This, this represents... Fellowship of believers. Fellowship of believers. This represents sharing the gospel 
And this represents God's love. That's right. So when we give our heart to God, that's what it looks like, right? Jesus was always sure to communicate the cost or really what to expect in following him, right? And so praise the Lord. The gospel is just that simple. Thank you, Carson. You did a really good job, man. <laughs> if you're here this morning and the Lord is tugging at your heart, you know it. I don't have to try to convince you of that. The message is real simple. You may not have been able to see every picture, and that's okay. You heard the message. You heard the scripture. When we couldn't get to God, he came to us and made a way for us to get to him. We respond by confessing or agreeing to him as Lord and believing in the power of the resurrection. We'll have some men stand in front um, as we move towards closing our service. We're here to pray for you, answer questions, counsel you. If you have uh, any needs, uh, please uh, let us know. We'll be here after the service. You don't want to walk down in front of everybody. That's okay, too. Anytime you can reach out to us. But this is the simple message of the gospel that we want to equip even kindergartners to take to their school with them, but also moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, friends, neighbors, every one of us. We want every member at Cell Street to know how to be a witness and even have opportunities for us to do that together, among all the other things that we've talked about uh, this morning. So I'm going to turn it over to Justin, and we're just going to sing because of how good he is. <laughs>